Hello, welcome to the official podcast of the Irish Association of Speech and Language Therapists, the IESLT in Conversation. My name is Andrea Horgan and here joining me today is Dr. Helen Kelly to mark National Aphasia Awareness Month. Dr. Kelly is a lecturer in University College Cork and she has been involved in extensive research with people with aphasia over the last number of years. So to mark National Aphasia Awareness Month, Helen is here to talk to us today about her work with people with aphasia and the Aphasia Cafe in Cork. So Helen, can you um, tell us what you might like our listeners to know about aphasia today? Yeah, sure, Andrea. Um, thanks for inviting me along. So what is aphasia? Well, every year about seven and a half to 10,000 people have a stroke in Ireland with one third of these people experiencing a communication impairment called aphasia. So that's around 3,300 people every year. Although more people in Ireland live with aphasia after a stroke than many other health conditions, public awareness about what aphasia is, is very low. So Dr. Ruth McMenamin and colleagues in NUIG carried out a study with 600 people in the West of Ireland, and they found that 19.7% had awareness of aphasia, but actually only 5.5% had knowledge about aphasia. So that's only 33 people out of 600 people that have an understanding of what aphasia actually is. So what is aphasia? It's a communication difficulty caused by damage to the language part of the brain. And depending on the precise location, someone with aphasia can experience difficulties understanding what they hear or read and expressing themselves through speech or writing. And often people can make assumptions about someone who's unable to communicate as they would expect them to. But it's really important to realise that while aphasia causes difficulties communicating, intelligence is not effective. People with aphasia have said that for them, aphasia is like an invisible disability where they may have recovered from their post-stroke physical difficulties, but their aphasia is only noticeable when they start to communicate. Now, as you can imagine, aphasia has a large impact on someone's life and their families. Often the social network size and circle of friends decreases for people with aphasia they find interacting with unfamiliar people to be stressful and their aphasia severity is closely related to how they can engage well in their communities and then this has a knock-on negative effect on their quality of life. People with aphasia have a higher frequency of depression and significantly worse quality of life than people who have had a stroke but don't have aphasia, especially when it comes to their social relationships. So sadly, isolation is the daily lived experience of many people with post-stroke aphasia due to physical and communication impairments, lack of public awareness about what aphasia is and what it's not, as well as society attitudes and barriers to communication. If we think about it, almost all aspects of our society need spoken and or written communication nowadays. But as Professor Linda Worrell put it, 
people with aphasia are marginalized by a communicatively inaccessible society. Thanks for that, Helen. I think that was um, a really interesting overview of aphasia and the significant impact it can have for people. Mm. So could you tell us then a little bit about what the Aphasia Cafe is then leading on from that? Yeah, sure. Well, just a little bit of background first. So we know social connection is vital for our well-being. Yeah. And we've all experienced this over the past year or so. Um, social distancing increases our isolation and increases a personal sense of loneliness. And I think we've just all experienced that in this last year at a level we never thought we would with the, with the lockdown. We know that communication is essential for many activities in our daily lives. For example, the transactional exchange, such as shopping or signing off a parcel delivery. And I think many of us have had more parcel deliveries than ever before over the past year. And for some people, these were the main or even the only type of communication interactions that many people had during the pandemic lockdowns. But what many of us have missed the most is the interactional exchanges. So communication just for pure enjoyment, what Davidson and colleagues describe as the trading of life stories, humorous anecdotes, and engaging in playful, spontaneous exchanges. It's easy to take these for granted if we're able to communicate what we want to say in the way we want to say it. And this is often not possible for people with aphasia. So as I've said, communication is firmly embedded in the fabric of society. Therefore, losing the ability to communicate results in social isolation with reduced opportunities to enjoy everyday activities, such as the simple act of ordering a cup of tea in a cafe. And it's kind of within this context that our aphasia cafe was set up. So in 2016, Rachel Boland um, she was one of my fourth year speech and language therapy students. And at the time she was chair of the Clinical Therapy Society. Well, she approached me in 2016 to support her and the society in setting up the Aphasia Cafe here in Cork City. So the purpose of the cafe was to create opportunities for people with aphasia to communicate in a natural everyday social environment. The cafe launched then in 2017 and ran the first Friday of the month until March last year. So the running of the cafe is very dependent on the generosity of my speech and language therapy student volunteers. And also I work very closely with the aphasia officer and chair of clinical therapy student society to be able to maintain the sustainability of the cafe. And how do you think the Aphasia Cafe has been able to support people with aphasia since 2017, I suppose, then, Helen? Well, when it was initially set up, we considered a number of things to try and make the cafe environment as supportive as possible um, for our cafe patrons with aphasia. So firstly, um, Rachel went around a few of the different cafes in Cork and found that the Haven Cafe on Bachelors Quay in Cork City was perfect. It's fully accessible for people with physical disabilities, um, which people with aphasia may also present with. And also the management and staff were very welcoming to people with a range of disabilities. And so were happy to provide a supportive environment. And before the cafe launched, Rachel, myself, 
and two people with aphasia and a couple of other um, SLT students, we met with the manager at the Haven to discuss the needs of people with aphasia. And this was led by uh, the people with aphasia talking about what helps them or what they find difficult. Um, for example, the music in the cafe is turned down low during the cafe hours so that it doesn't provide an additional distraction for people communicating. And staff were also given some training um, and hints and tips on what could better support a person with aphasia to communicate, etc. Um, also, um, my SLT students created aphasia accessible menus, and these were made available during the cafe. And they also made sure that paper and pens were available for people who find it easier to write or draw, maybe to communicate. Student volunteers were then rostered to attend so that we had at least two to three students at every cafe. And they were available just to chat with people, to maybe facilitate conversation between people with aphasia. And if needed, they provide support in ordering food or drink from the cafe. And finally, I guess the most important people we need to ask are our patrons with aphasia. And we ask them about their experiences of the cafe and what they would say to someone with aphasia who might like to join us. And here's what they said. I, I, I find the cafe, um, my friends are, are, and they are great, great to be there. You know, and it's you know throughout. I I think it is it's a great way. I find it enjoyable, joyful, because it um you find it, a lot of things aren't enjoyable, but I always find it enjoyable. <laughs> Meet people who have got the same problem. Uh, it's important to just to, to re realize you're not alone. And it's great to see people who are, you know, uh, who've got the problem and, and their feet, they're fighting it, they're, they're battling on. And that's the reason I, 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 I just love that the people, you know, and I'm just so proud of them, really. I am happy uh, because um, um, uh, the student and uh, Helen Kelly. Uh, helps me understand uh, 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 different subjects, different opposition or categories or opinions. Uh, amazing, amazing. I find it for, oh, I'm trying to think, funny topics you've discussed. <laughs> and like the, um, the funny answers to, to an extent as well. You'll know me speak. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes I, you know, I, I just, I have it to have the, the, the opportunity to, to speak. And that's, that's nice. Uh, sometimes I regret what I say and things like that. But I think that's all part of the, uh, part of the, the old, thing you know so so i i i i, I enjoy that thank you <laughs> i am chatting uh, i am listening all the time uh, i am grateful uh, with uh, 
compassion and uh, uh, friends and uh, colleagues and students uh, all the time. You need the fellowship of other people, you know, they're kind of backing, they're on your side. And it's so, so important to people just to, to get into the, even though they might be afraid or, or you know, uh, kind of scared or something like that, you, you, you have to make an attempt. And, and, and it's just very, very fruitful when you do. Thank you would uh, help uh, the students, uh, my family, uh, uh, other students or uh, colleagues, um, uh, because I am uh, chatting about life uh, and, uh, and on and on, on and on. Uh. I think um, it's very important um, to ensure that people of Asia have their voices heard, because I know sometimes, as you mentioned, Helen, they can often experience social isolation. So I think it's really useful to have their experiences included. Um, That's right. And I suppose then on the flip side, we've spoken about how the cafe can help people with aphasia. How then, Helen, do you think the aphasia cafe has helped speech and language therapy students? Okay, well, firstly, I need to say, and I can't stress it enough, the <laughs> aphasia cafe simply couldn't function without the help of our speech and language therapy volunteers and student volunteers. Their dedication and motivation for the cafe is amazing. And I know we're going to talk in, in a few minutes about um, moving online, but when we moved online last year, students were really keen to be involved despite um, having to juggle their online learning and assessments. And they didn't even want to break over the summer at all last year, which is very generous of them. But the experience of the cafe has had a positive impact on the speech language therapy student volunteers and they've said that their interactions actually has upskilled them for speech and language therapy so it gives them confidence in communicating with someone with aphasia and online they've said that the online cafe has upskilled them for speech and language teletherapy which is currently a large part of their clinical placement during this pandemic. And they also said that they really valued being able to do something for people who were further isolated through the pandemic, but also in the face-to-face, -face, they were able to um, help people communicate in and reduce the isolation of people who would like to go for a cup of tea or coffee, but um, feel they can't do it without some kind of support. So I set up the UCC Citizen Aphasia Cafe Digital Badge in collaboration with our Clinical Therapies Student Society, which students can complete if they want to. And it aims to recognise the time, commitment and expertise of the speech and language therapy student volunteers to also equip students in communicating with people with aphasia and also contribute to the development and sustainability of the Aphasia Cafe. Now, students don't have to do the digital badge to attend the cafe. I recently asked students to record a video clip about their experiences of volunteering, and this is what they said. I feel like I have gained invaluable experience from participating in the Aphasia Cafe. I have gained confidence in my ability to talk and chat naturally with others who have a communication disorder. I know I still have a long way to go, but the cafe gives me the perfect opportunity to practice. I've also made friends who I look forward to seeing at every cafe.
Taking part in the Aphasia Cafe has given me great experience for working with people with aphasia later in my career. I've gained insight into how to communicate with them and I've learned skills to facilitate that communication, which will definitely enhance my ability to provide therapy and intervention in the future. I think the biggest benefit for me was that I got to meet not just with people with aphasia, but also with their families. Um, having conversations with them and their families about their experiences and their stories with aphasia really helped me to gain an insight into their daily life, into their struggles, their strengths and everything that they're dealing with, um, whether it's related to speech and language therapy or not. This has really helped me to understand the impact that aphasia can have on an individual's quality of life. And I think it's going to help me to be a better and more holistic therapist. Gaining extra experience is definitely one of the professional benefits of being involved in the Aphasia Cafe, particularly with the placement being cut short this year because of COVID-19. The move to the online cafe as well uh, gives me extra experience um, working with people online, uh, considering that teletherapy is now going to become more common. Well, the Aphasia Cafe is an informal group. This gives us an excellent opportunity to develop professional skills that we can then carry forward into the rest of our working careers. For example, I'm the kind of person who really benefits from learning by doing. So getting to experience meeting many different people with aphasia was an invaluable experience. This is particularly true for aphasia, which can present so differently from person to person. One of the biggest things that I enjoyed about the Aphasia Cafe is the structure that it provides. Um, you know, during lockdown, like a lot of people, I definitely found I missed my daily life and my routine. So it was nice to have that structured appointment every second week and you couldn't miss it. And also on a personal level, you know, having that connection with people who may not have a lot of a lot of others to talk to and where loneliness could creep in if they were cocooning. It was nice to feel that we were having that connection with them, providing a structure and a light in their routines. So I hope it helped. Thanks for sharing that, Helen. Um, I suppose I'm a little bit biased from having been involved in the Aphasia <laughs> Cafe. But um, I know myself, I'm just coming out as a new grad. I definitely feel more confident engaging with people with aphasia from my involvement with the cafe. You mentioned a little bit earlier on then that, of course, the cafe moved online of March last year, I think it was. Um, time has flown so fast. <laughs> it has, it has. How did you find the transition to the online cafe, I suppose? Same with many things during COVID. There was certainly a lot of challenges to moving to remote working and things like that. So, Yes, yeah, there was. Um, so our last face-to-face -face cafe was March 2020, just before, I think it was the week before lockdown. Um, and so then, of course, we had to adhere to government and health regulations and um, not meet face to face again. Now, at the time, we thought that this, of course, was a temporary measure. Um, so, but then we thought actually people with aphasia who were already isolated, this was actually making them further um, isolated. And we wanted to do something about that. So I met with Shauna Bell, who was the chair of Clinical Therapy Society and yourself, Andrea, um, aphasia officer. Uh, of the Clinical Therapy Society Committee, just to see if there was an appetite for moving our cafe online. Um, at the time, I was aware students were challenged by their learning and assessments going online, and also their clinical placements were up in the air. And I was also unsure if this was something that people with aphasia would want, but we thought we'd give it a go. <laughs> so there were two initial challenges. 
firstly moving online meant that our cafe patrons would need to be technologically savvy themselves or live with someone who could help them attend the cafe, set them up. Otherwise, unfortunately, they wouldn't be able to join us. And we're aware that that excludes, you know, a number of people mm. with aphasia. And um, and that's something that we were aware of. And, you know, we, we weren't very happy about. But secondly, online group discussions can be challenging, as we've all experienced throughout this pandemic. And these challenges were further accentuated by the complexities of aphasia. And so we try to take this into account to ensure that everyone who was on the online cafe, as we called it, the aphasia home cafe now, because people were at home having their cup of tea or coffee in, in the comfort and safety of your, their own home. So we want to ensure that they could be included in the conversations. Um, would you like me to tell you about some of the things we learned along, along the way, um, Andrea? Yeah, that would be great, Helen. Thank you. Um, so we found that complex instructions, as we know, are challenging for people with aphasia. So we provided a one click link um, to allow them access to the meetings. And we found Zoom to be the best platform for this. We emailed suggested topics to everyone a couple of days before the cafe not because we have the topic carved in stone, but it gives people a chance to think about what they might want to say in the cafe. Or if they prefer, they can email their opinions to myself or to the student leading the online cafe um, before to be read out to the group on their behalf. We found some people are fully independent with technology, but others need help for their family to set up the meeting. And some people with aphasia have their partners with them to the side as such and uh, to support their communication during the cafe discussions and that works very well. Behind the scenes we decided to match people with aphasia to specific speech and language therapy students who were rostered for that day and it was simply just to keep an eye out for them, you know, for example, were they trying to get into the conversation or were they getting cut off from others, maybe taking a little bit too much of the conversational floor? So myself or the students would then invite them in turn um, by their name and calling people by name ensures that everyone is included in the conversation who wants to be. Now, normally we know that people with aphasia need additional time, but online they just need a little bit more time. So make sure that you allot plenty of time for people to process the information. We also had to get even more comfortable with pauses or delays due to word finding or sentence formulation difficulties. And it always seems a bit longer online as we don't have the full range of non-verbal clues to know what might be happening with that person. We encourage always of communicating. So for example, people could write or draw something and hold it up to the webcam. Um, we also have somebody in the cafe who is able to and who likes screen sharing. We've also used the whiteboard for voting where people with aphasia could make a mark uh, when they were voting uh, on the whiteboard on Zoom, which was quite successful as well. So as we know, people with aphasia are very skilled at getting their message across using total communication. And we can use technology to support this as well. Now, in conversation, we often use filler words to show we're listening. So yeah, uh-huh, okay, mm. 
Um, but after the first cafe, we realized this is really distracting online. So instead, we make sure we use things like nonverbal encouragers, like nodding and smiling instead. And one interesting challenge for us was navigating nonverbal communication online. So a, a large proportion of around 90% of our communication is actually nonverbal. So eye contact, voice tone, body posture, etc. So apart from us having to be vigilant for indicators that people were trying to contribute to the conversation, it was very easy to misinterpret online non-verbal behaviors. So for example, eye contact is unclear because people may look directly at the webcam or their computer screen, or if they have two screens, they could be looking at the opposite screen. Someone leaving forward to, towards their computer could mean that the topic interests them or that they can't hear the conversation. And if we see someone frowning, that could mean disagreement with the topic or what's being talked about, or they're focusing to understand the discussion, or even that their cat has jumped up onto their laptop. So our Aphasia Home Cafe has now been running every fortnight since the 1st of May, 2020 with our discussion topics ranging from pets to politics, and they're always friendly and fun. And one of the beauties of the online cafe means that people from across the length and breadth of Ireland have joined us, including Donegal, Galway, Dublin, Cork, Kerry, as well as people from the UK. And we even had somebody join us from Bulgaria one week. So it's very inclusive in many ways. Yes, yeah, Stephanie, I think the beauty of it being online is as you say it's so inclusive I suppose when it's in person there's a more kind of accessibility issues like someone from Dublin isn't gonna travel all the way down for one hour cup of tea and a chat that's right yeah that's right <laughs> so very importantly then I suppose as we mentioned at the beginning June is National Aphasia Awareness Month so how has the cafe been kind of raising awareness of aphasia yeah, so um, as you say, June is Aphasia Awareness Month. And so I approached um, Shauna Bell and yourself, Andrea, mm -hmm. um, just to discuss and suggest a planned approach to raise awareness during June. And students involved in the Aphasia Home Cafe were asked for ideas and invited to be involved and contribute to the activities as well. And we felt that as people with aphasia are living with this health condition, that it was only right that they were the ones who were guiding us in what we should do for Aphasia Awareness Month. So it was their voice that needed to be heard. And so we had some fantastic discussions in our Aphasia Home Cafe about what living with aphasia is like for them, what they want other people to know about aphasia, and also to give some hints and tips on what other people can do to help them communicate better. So as Ireland is only beginning to open up and um, following strict social restrictions, we plan to have an online presence rather than face to face. So uh, speech and language therapy students created pictorial and video material using direct quotations from people with aphasia. And we also had some short video clips by people with aphasia talking about what it's like for them to live with the condition. And we decided that each weekday in the month of June, we'd upload one item. And four speech therapy student volunteers, so Kleena, Shauna, yourself, Andrea, mm -hmm. Neve, and myself took on the responsibility of curating social media for a week. 
I also contacted UCC and Cork City Council to light up the buildings in June. So the international colour of aphasia seems to be grey, which is not <laughs> ideal for lighting up buildings. And our patrons with aphasia also felt that this colour doesn't represent aphasia. So what we did is we suggested several colours and the patrons with aphasia themselves voted uh, on what colour we should light the buildings up. And the colour blue was marginally the most popular. So I was very happy being a dub, but I don't think the people <laughs> from Cork and Kerry, they would have liked red or green, but uh, the dubs got it. <laughs> uh, marginally being the most popular. So UCC Quad and Cork City Hall has been lighting up blue. And actually one of the student volunteers, Neve Bridges, has also been successful in organising the lighting up of County Hall in Wexford, which is great. So this is our first year really trying to uh, bombard social media, raising uh, awareness of aphasia. And, you know, it, it's it's great. And, you know, this is we're, we're online. So in one way, it's challenging, but actually another way it's working perfectly because we're uploading things to Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and we're liking, retweeting and we're actually getting a lot of people um, liking and retreating as well, um, not just in Ireland, but internationally. And so um, from our perspective, being the first year that we've done it, I, I think it's very successful. Yeah, definitely. I think even as, as you mentioned at the beginning, Helen, that public awareness on aphasia is so limited. So yes. bombarding social media and everything, I think, is great to get the word out there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I might ask you one final question, Helen. So whether it's for SLT students listening or if it's somebody who could be qualified with 30 years but mightn't have a lot of experience with aphasia, what do you think is the most important thing that people should be aware of when communicating with a person with aphasia? That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the challenges of aphasia is that you could have two or three, or even with our aphasia home cafe, everybody with aphasia can present differently depending on the type of aphasia they have or the severity of aphasia. And different strategies can help one person, but may, maybe not be so good for another person. So as I mentioned earlier, aphasia has a very isolating impact on a person's life. And as many people with aphasia call it, the invisible disability. But what I'd say to people is don't avoid or be afraid to communicate with somebody with a communication difficulty such as aphasia. We ask people with aphasia what helps them communicate because as speech therapists, we have lots of ideas, but actually it's the people with aphasia who know what helps them. And, and they said some of the ideas is for, for some people it helps to write down the word or for the person who's communicating with them to write down the main word in a message. Stressing the key words in a message can also help so that the person with aphasia can kind of tune into the key messages and process what the, the conversation is about. Also, don't use long or complicated sentences. Keep it short and simple. When you're speaking, Keep in mind that the person with aphasia may need time to process what you've said to them. 
So don't be afraid of the silence as they're processing this or they'll need time to formulate the response. So give them time to do this. And I think the most important thing is actually ask the person with the phasia what helps them best. After all, they're the ones living with the phasia. Definitely. I think they're some really useful and helpful points, Helen. So thank you so much. As I said earlier, I might be biased um, for my own involvement with the cafe, <laughs> but I do think it's a really great initiative on both supporting people with aphasia and students and just getting general word out to the public about aphasia. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing everything with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity, Andrea. Mm -hmm.